You can be seated. Thank you so much, worship team. Leaving through uh, all those songs. We're going to have a few more in just a few moments, but if you'll uh, allow me, I just want to share a few words uh, from another gospel. We've sung a lot of Christmas carols today. We've got more to go. And um, as you can see, they all have to do with the biblical account of Jesus' birth. Um, we had readings in between to sort of help you see that interspersed from uh, the Gospel of Matthew and uh, the Gospel of Luke, which recount the events that surround his, his birth. So you can see these carols that we sing every year, or we hear on the radio, or you walk through City Center, they're, they're, they're songs that originate in Scripture. And we're very familiar with most of the events that we sung about, the, the birth of Jesus being foretold to a virgin Mary, Jesus being born in, a, in just a manger with animals around him, the angels appearing to the shepherds, the visit of the shepherds to Jesus and to Mary and Joseph, the appearance of the star of, of wonder and uh, leading the wise men to come to Jesus and to bring their gifts. And for many people, let's just be honest, those are interesting things. You know, they, they, there's some extraordinary things, but they're interesting. And at the heart of it is a sweet, maybe heartwarming story. And so, so people are, you know, they, they're, they're fine to hear those, those things. And once Christmas sort of kind of passes, the birth of Jesus sort of passes with the event, with Christmas. So it's not really thought about. People don't really think about Jesus really beyond uh, Christmas. And so my fear sometimes that this just becomes a tradition for people. Like, okay, we'll just sing about this Jesus during Christmas. And then, but really, who is, who is Jesus and I, I really want to share a little bit, if I can, to help you see maybe who he is, to give you a greater perspective. Because at Christmas time, we see Jesus in this little manger. We, we see him as a baby, and really not much more than that. But if you notice some of the songs that we were singing, they sing about Jesus being Lord. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Jesus, Lord at thy birth. So I want to help you see just a little bit about Jesus, if I could today, from different gospel, from the gospel of John. So if you have a Bible, feel free to turn in there. It's the fourth book of the New Testament. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. And the interesting thing about John is that he goes in a completely different direction than the other gospels. He doesn't give us a genealogy at the beginning. He doesn't give us a narrative of the birth of Jesus. He doesn't even cover the early years of Jesus' childhood, um, but he still tells the Christmas story, but in an entirely different way, with a different perspective. And to do it, he takes us further back. Well, I'll say way back. He takes us to eternity past, before the universe began, before it existed, before time began. And so, here in the Gospel of John, John goes way back before time to introduce to us who Jesus is. So if you, you're there with me, I'll just read here from the very first verse, and it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And when you hear those words, in the beginning, it should take your mind back to other words in the beginning from Genesis. You go back to Genesis and you hear those words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it so might seem like John is maybe going to sort of retell that. He's going to retell about the creation of the universe. But it soon, become, uh, it soon becomes apparent that he's not going to do that. He's actually describing something 
That was even before that, before creation. In the beginning, he says, was the Word. And so you have to ask yourself, well, who or what is this Word? Well, he tells us three things here in the beginning. Was the Word, so the Word existed in the beginning. The Word was with God, so the Word actually existed and had fellowship with God. And the Word was God. Now, that's really interesting. That kind of seems confusing. How could the Word be both with God and also God? Well, verse 2 gives us another clue. Verse 2 says, He was in the beginning with God. John now personifies this word. He says, that's a he. It's not a what, it's a who. We're talking about someone existing even before creation. This someone was with God in the beginning, and this someone was God. Well, who is this someone? Well, we don't have time today. John tries to hold that off a bit to build suspense, and then the big reveal comes in verse 14. So for the sake of time, just skip down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This Word, this Word who is a He, actually became flesh and dwelt among us. This Word, who is God, became flesh. Really simply means this, is that God took on humanity. That's what we celebrate at Christmas time, the incarnation. And with four words, John describes for us the greatest event that ever took place in human history, God dwelling with us and dwelt among us. That's an incredible thing to think about. Most of us think about God, there might be a God, and he's, he's there, he's not there, or maybe he is, or maybe he's, he's there, but he's unapproachable. And, and yet, God came here and dwelt among us, we're told. That's the incarnation. Emmanuel, God with us. We just sang a song about it. And John says also that we beheld his glory. Now, when he says we that, he's talking about himself. He's talking about the other disciples that were with him, that they were uh, around someone who was this incarnation, and they beheld his glory. And well, you know the thing about the disciples, they were disciples of somebody in particular, and they dwelt among that person, and they witnessed things that were amazing. They witnessed his divine attributes, like his divine power and his divine wisdom, his divine love. But John here says grace and truth, which is an amazing thing in verse 14. He was the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So who is this person that they were disciples of, that was full of grace and truth, that was God, but came and became a man? And he tells us in verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John tells us here very plainly that Jesus was in the beginning. A lot of us think that Jesus started there in the manger, in this little you know, stable with animals. But actually, Jesus existed before that. But this is when he took on flesh and he became one of us. That's an amazing thing to think about. But why does John not just say that and make it easy for us? Why doesn't he say, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God? Why does he say, in the beginning was Jesus and, the, and, and Jesus was there in the beginning? Well, he does this for a couple reasons, and I think it might speak to you today. He used that word because he's trying to bridge the gap, 
the gap between two audiences. He was speaking to Jews for certain, but he was speaking to Greeks as well. And word there is logos. And it's this word that the Greeks really understood. It had deep meaning for them and for the Jews. They were thinkers. They loved philosophy. And they loved to, to reason. And so for them, the use of logos in, encouraged them in their thought process that there was this impersonal, rational principle that sort of governed the universe. That was their idea. And from whatever that is, divine wisdom and power came about. A lot of people think sort of similarly today. There's something out there. Maybe it's energy, and they refer to it different things. And I would just tell you today that John tells you that that is actually personified. He calls it the word, but he says that word is actually he, and that he was God, and that he, God, took on flesh, and he actually dwelt among us. For the Jews, it was just important. You go back to the Old Testament, and when you look at the word word for them, oh boy, they were very familiar with it. For them, it meant divine power. It meant divine wisdom. So that's an attention-getting word that he uses. It gets the attention of the audiences today, and it should get our attention today as well. Who is this word? I want to show you just three things today um, that John says about this word. The first is that he is our Lord. We sang about him several times about being our Lord. And verse 3 tells us this, all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. Maybe you've never thought about Jesus as the creator, but that's what John tells us, that everything that has been made was actually made through him. The Jews certainly understood that. Psalm 33, 6 tells us, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Just boom, let there be light, and there was light. Jesus, who pre-existed as the Word, he is the one who was not made, but he made everything else. That's a mind-blowing thought. And that's supported elsewhere in Scripture. Colossians 1.16 says this about him, for by him, speaking of Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. When God said those words, let there be light, and there was light, it was Jesus who made it. Incredible. Everything was made through Jesus, we're told there in Colossians, but also everything was made for him. And you know what that means? That means you and I as well. We're actually made for him. That baby in a manger is our creator. And you know what? When I walk through City Center, I got to tell you, I'm never excited to see the manger that they have set up in City Center. Because when I look at that, it communicates something completely different to me. There's this little manger, it's in a box, and it's behind plexiglass, and you can't touch it. But you know what's on the outside there is a money box. So here's Jesus, here's your creator, give us some money. Um, that doesn't communicate anything to me. Probably doesn't communicate anything to anyone else either. Jesus is our creator. And as our creator, he demands our, our worship. He made us. And he made us for him. He's our Lord. And Philippians 2, 9-11 says this, Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. You hear that? Every knee. That's all of us. But also, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As our creator, Lord, he doesn't just create life, 
The second thing John tells us is that he is life. Look at verse 4 there. He's our Lord, but he's also our life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Let's just look at that first part. In him was life. That's a natural progression to go from Jesus is the, with the Father. He's in the beginning. It's through him that all creation and life came into existence, and therefore, you know, Jesus has to be life him, himself. Theologically, it speaks of self-existence. Jesus wasn't created. A lot of the questions the kids uh, be, ask when they're young here in the church is, who made God? All right? And that's, that's a great question for a young mind. And you have to say, well, you know what? God always was. He's self-existent. He pre-existed. There is no creating God. And that's hard for our finite minds to understand that we all think, well, there's always some, a beginning. Everything has to have a beginning. Well, not if you're God. <laughs> we understand things in time and space, but God exists outside of that. He created time. So our minds really struggle to think about that. But John takes us to that place to say there was never a point where God didn't exist. He's self-existent. And because he is, Jesus is life. And you know what? Jesus came here with that life, what he came to do? To offer that life, spiritual life, eternal life to you and me. And it's for those who believe in him. Maybe you've heard the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. No doubt you've seen it on billboards and things like that. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the life Jesus came to give to all of us. Jesus is life. Jesus himself called himself the bread of life. And in John 6, 47 to 48, he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Why? I'm the bread of life. He came to give life. He came to bring it to us. For those who didn't believe in him in that way, he actually rebuked them for not, for not believing him. In John 5, 39, he says, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they in which testify of me, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. I love what he says there. He says, you, you, you search through scriptures. You're looking for eternal life. You're looking for um, the, the, the path, but ultimately you're not willing to come to me. I think a lot of religion is out there today. There's a lot of things that people are searching for to find whatever it is they're lacking. But Jesus says right in there, listen, you're not going to find it in religion, but you've got to find it in me. He says, come to me. Why do we need eternal life? Ultimately, because the Bible tells us we're fallen sinners, that we're, we're really doomed to punishment because we do, we do sin and we have offended a holy God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That means not the death in the way we understand it, but an eternal separation from God. But Jesus came into the world as a baby to be our life. And eternal life is not found in religion. It's not found in good works. It's not found in church attendance. It's not found in financial giving. It's not found in ritualistic acts. You don't find it in any of those things. You find it in Christ and in Christ alone. Why? Because he came to give his life for you and for me, that we might have eternal life. He paid that price by dying on the cross for our sins so that we don't have to pay the price. So coming into the world was vital, if you want to look at it that way, for our survival. If Jesus did not come into the world, that baby did not end up in that manger, he wouldn't have ended up on a cross to pay for our sins. He came to be our life, and that required that he become a human. He become a man. In Philippians 2, 7 to 8, it speaks of that act 
Speaking of Jesus, he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Could you imagine God in heaven in perfect glory in perfect fellowship coming down, becoming a man, living the life that you and I have to live here? It's, life is hard. It's difficult. He chose to do that, but he also chose to die a horrific death so that we might know life. We might have eternal life. That's incredible. That's the miracle of the incarnation. But also he came with one other thing, John says, and we'll close with this. In him was life, but also the life was the light of men, which means he is our light as well. The light is the manifestation of the life. In other words, Jesus' coming into the world was meant to be a light to the truth, that we were to be attracted and drawn to him like moths to a flame. There's something about him, something about what he talked about, what he lived for, and what he died for. And Jesus called himself the light as well. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, this is in John 8, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Hmm. Jesus said that those with the light shall not walk in darkness. And darkness in scripture is commonly used to, do, to uh, sort of denote death and ignorance and sin and even separation from God. God's judgment is on those who choose, he says, to walk in darkness rather than light. And you might think today, why would anyone do that? No one chooses to walk in darkness. Well, actually, the Bible says that we do. We choose to do it because we love the dark. John 3, 19, Jesus said these words, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Ultimately, you might just think, I'm a good person. I'm not an evil person. But if you ignore the light, if you've rejected the fact that the Creator has come and died for you, He says your deeds are evil. My deeds were evil when I rejected Him. But as the light that shines forth the truth of who He is, we're to come to Him. The reality of this is that darkness and sin is, is enslaving. We're enslaved to it. It captures our desires, and so we become enslaved by those desires. But Jesus came into the world as light, that we would no longer be drawn to those things, but drawn to him, which is John's point in the final verse, which is verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That word comprehend there actually means overcome. Darkness does not overcome light. You don't have a room uh, full of light like we do here, and then all of a sudden, darkness just sort of comes in and extinguishes it. But darkness is the absence of light. That's what it is. I'll never forget, my, my dad was a park ranger once, and uh, he would give tours into caverns. And I went on a tour with him to these deep caverns. You go miles under the earth. And once we were all down there, he said, okay, now everyone turn off your lights. And as soon as we turned off our lights, then he pretended to run away. He went, like, like he took off and like, left us in the dark. But it was pitch black. I couldn't even see my, my hand in front of my face. Listen, we walked into the darkness, but we walked in there with, with light. The minute we took the light away, the darkness was there. But listen, darkness does not overcome light. Light overcomes darkness. A small candle can drive the darkness out of an entire room. And we're going to illustrate that in just a few moments. But Jesus came to be our light, to shine light on the dark and sinful state in which we all live. 
to show that our, our, we need him. We need his saving power to save us from the kingdom of darkness, to draw ourselves to him. He's our savior. He came to save us. And John 9, 5 says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus said that. As long as I'm here, the light's here. And in fact, in John 12, he says, I've come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Jesus came so that we would not have to abide in darkness. Maybe for you today, you've looked around what's happening in the world. I've heard lots of these comments, and people said, oh, the world's so much darker. There was so much evil, more evil, just so much going on. I will have to, I just have to disagree. I would say, I don't think the world's more evil. I just think there's far less light. And that's so true. So many churches today don't proclaim the truth. So many churches are cold, dead, lifeless, and loveless. And you walk into a room of just nothing. But Jesus, when he said, I'm in this world, and as long as I'm in this world, I'm the light, he didn't stay in this world. He ascended back into to, to heaven. He's with the Father. But he did tell us that as long as we're in the world, we're the light. And in Matthew 5, he said, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Isn't it sad that churches aren't a light that are drawing people to Christ? They might draw them to the church for all kinds of reasons and all their different programs. And listen, I hope today that if you leave with anything, that you would have left with the hint of the fact that this is a room full of people who love Jesus. We've been drawn to him and our lives have been changed by him. Isaiah, just to close with this, he was an Old Testament prophet and he prophesied about the coming of Jesus one day and this is how he described salvation. Isaiah 9, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. I don't know where some of you have come from today. I don't know what your background is. I don't know what your life story is. And maybe you've had a hard go. I just want to tell you today that you've, you've, you've got a, a hint of the light. You've got a taste of the light. And I encourage you to pursue that. Jesus has come to be our light, to draw us to him, to see that what he has to offer is everything. We don't just maybe choose to have him in our life. We need him in our life because he is life. We're going to now kind of illustrate this in a great way. We're going to begin to turn off the lights in this room. I'm going to ask you as ever close to the back to go out into the hall. You have to go all the way out to the door and hit the hall one. Um, so get your candles in your hand, but we're going to make this place pitch black. I think Jody's going to start to extinguish all these lights up, up here as well. Because I just want you to see, it's going to get pretty dark in here, so keep your kids with you. That darkness does not overcome light. And what we're going to do is we're going to sit in the moment for a few moments in complete dark. <laughs> it's not complete dark because there are emergency green lights going on there, but you'll get the idea. And then I'm going to light one single candle. And as I light this candle... I'm going to walk to the front row on the left here. I'm going to light that person's candle. And I'll walk to the front row over here, and I'll light your candle. And as your candle gets lit, I want you to turn to the person next to you. Don't be the one then to dip your candle to light the others, because yours is on fire. Let them dip theirs to you. Okay? Make sense? All right. I thought that would be self-explanatory, but I thought I'd mention it anyway. 
But the younger ones, you little kids, you've got little candles, okay? Wait to turn them on until the candle light comes to you. Like if yours is going to be lit, you turn it on at that time, okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to see how the, the light begins to expand through the room here, all right? We're going to see what that, that, that looks like. So we're going to turn as much of it all off as we can. I don't know if we can turn that all the way off uh, by blocking it maybe. And then just turn those switches off. Yeah, top. <laughs> can you just cover it? All right, that's shutting down. All right. We got one light left to extinguish here. You got it? It's the bottom one. All right, I'll let you sit down and then. Oh, there we go. Yeah, just close it for a minute. <laughs> This is the idea. This is the picture. The world is a dark place. It's full of uh, people who ignore Christ, who, who don't desire him, have no need for him. But Jesus says, you know what? But I, I love him. I made him. And so I'm going to come into that world, and I'm going to invade the dark. And so right here, it doesn't look like a lot, but it's enough, isn't it? Because we, now we begin to see that darkness is being expelled away. And as we do this, we'll just light one at a time. And let's just see how this goes. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come up right now as well. And they're going to sing songs. As this gets brighter, they'll have some light. And they'll be able to sing as, as we um, hold our candles with red lights in there. Well done, well done. All right. You guys have enough light to sing? All right. Yeah. Then whenever you're ready, go ahead. All right, so as your candles are being lit, we're going to sing a couple of songs while we continue to light. Oh, God. 
Listen, if you haven't yet made Jesus your Lord, it's pretty simple. It's just coming to the end of yourself, saying, I just, I don't want this life anymore. Confess who you are in front of him. I, I am a sinner. I am in need of saving. And Jesus will forgive you. He offers eternal life. It's a beautiful thing. And so I just pray, if there's anybody here that hasn't made that decision, you'd like to talk some more about it, I'll be up here. I'll be happy to pray with you, talk with you. Let me pray. And we'll close our evening. God, thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to sing these songs that originate from one miraculous event, the coming of God into this world. God with us. Amazing thing. Oh, Lord, I pray that we would remember that in this busy season when so much else occupies our time, seeks to take our focus. May we remember that we are celebrating the coming of God, the coming of the light into this dark world, and that you truly have given us everything we need, new life, eternal life, forgiveness of sins, abundant life. We love you, and we praise you. May you always be glorified. May you not be just Lord at your birth, but Lord in our hearts for all time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.